episode of star wars from the back to tank this is the bounty hunter edition i am michael flores your host you probably know that by now and david my co-host hello dave hello there all right so today we're gonna be talking about bounty hunter number eight a new storyline dave a new storyline has started the terminus gauntlet part one uh, this issue was yet another fun read. It was just full of Star Wars excitement. This comic series continues to be a full throttle fun adventure. And you remember that in the last issue we covered, we were really wondering, okay, the, the storyline just ended. Where are you going? Yeah. <laughs> Where are you going like, at this what's, point? What's happening here? And, what is happening? And Ethan Sachs doesn't just, he just basically does not miss a beat. No, he veers off to the left and doesn't, doesn't slow down. The weird part about it with Ethan Sachs is, you know, like how everyone constantly says about, and I know, especially the last episode, I kept paralleling the difference between this series and Mandalorian. Yeah. Don't do that. Both are fun. Both are fun. But like Ethan, yeah, Ethan Sachs though. He kind of gets that rhythm. He gets that rhythm of basically keeping it as a Star Wars story. Yeah. And sticking to it, you know, like where where in Mandalorian it's more or less like fan service and you know, it's a fun time. Here you go. Here's your guest star for the moment. Here's your Easter eggs. No, Ethan Sex is like going, "We're going to have fun in the style of the story that I am writing, which is high octane 80s, I would say 80s action star. For sure, yeah. Type of thing, because, dude, there were so many one-liners of freaking... Well, that's Valance at this point, Valance. right? He is the one-liner king. I want to see Valance in live action. I know, dude. David. So bad. Don't touch him. Oh, come on! Don't, don't. Kathleen can you, Kennedy. Can you imagine the dialogue? The dialogue, Mike, of Valance live action. They would have to get someone... I want Josh Brolin to play him. You know who I was thinking? He might be a little too old at this point. Brolin, I was thinking Brolin, but I was even even thinking uh, on the other side of the spectrum of Star Trek. I was thinking of the our Captain uh, Captain Pike. Oh, Anson, Anson Mount. Mount. Dude, can you picture Anson oh. actually doing this? Wow, that's a good... Anson as... You are an Evelyn. excellent casting director, Dave, because I could see that and I would buy it. And Anson would have so much fun with it. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> that's pretty good, Dave. All right, so I will say I'm a bit bummed that Lee Bermijo is no longer doing the covers. I believe this is the first issue that had no Lee Bermijo cover available for purchase. 
I'm a little bummed about that. Although, silver lining, that might save some children from David's evil machinations. <laughs> I don't know. I'm becoming a big fan of Paolo Villanelli, though. Yeah. Is he doing the cover work? He's though? the one that's do- he did the cover for this one. Oh, it's great. It's still good. It's just not Lee Bermijo. It's not, it's not Ber- Bermijo, no. Yeah. So, if they did like a one-shot variant, I might punch a child. Oh, wow. So the kids are not safe yet. No. Parents at home, make sure you watch your children at comic book shops within the (laughs) Phoenix metropolitan area. Be safe. No, no, no. Remember, Mike, I I simply suggest that the kid gets another comic. There is the mind control thing. (laughs) There is another thing out there worse than COVID-19. Okay. And this one does affect children. (laughs) It does. All right, Dave. So this issue is the start of a new storyline, as I had hinted and previewed. That, of course, doesn't mean elements left open-ended from the previous issues are no longer relevant. Quite the opposite. There's still that sense of continuance that is important for a serial-style read like Bounty Hunters. So Bounty Hunters number eight is the eighth issue of the canon comic book series Star Wars Bounty Hunters. It was written by Ethan Sachs. Illustrated by Paolo Vianelli, and it was uh, released December 23rd. So we are several months behind. Dave, we need to get on track here because we have to be caught up by next month. Yes, we do. Because we cannot wait much longer to delve into (laughs) that huge Bounty Hunter crossover. And and so far, dude, Bounty Hunter crossover is like gearing up to probably be one of the best comics well we'll see dave let's not jump ahead spoilers please dave don't ruin it for us listeners or our our listeners nor me please exactly all right so a deadly favor to pay back a debt valance undertakes a rescue mission to save the crew of a crippled rebel transport Uh, that dangerous job will take the bounty hunter deep into the heart of the pirate infested space in the outer rim but lying in wait is both an old enemy and a new threat. Okay, so this issue continues the formula of paralleling the present with Valance's past. We took a quick look back at Valance's past imperial days as a way, I would say as a way to bookend the issue and justify why Valance decides to help the rebellion. Apparently, he owes Solo a favor. So we did get a young Solo cameo, which we already knew this. This isn't anything riveting in the way of canon. We already knew that Valance and Solo came up together within the Imperial ranks for a short time. So to bring that back into the story at this point does make sense for what they're trying to do. But also, I wonder if it's even bigger than just simply hey let's get him to help the rebellion well how will he help them well he owes solo a favor i'm wondering if it's much bigger than that the reason valance gets involved i should say this is the reason why possibly valance may be getting involved in the crossover is this how they bring him into the crossover because we know it's all about fett and his cherished prize solo the fact that they reminded us that Valance and Solo were Imperial buddies, it makes me think that this is what will drag Valance into the fray of this uh, bounty hunter war. You think that's the strategy, Dave? I think that's the strategy. It's just interesting that basically they actually bring up the fact that Valance owes Solo 
And but the thing is, especially with the war, with the War of the Bounty Hunter storyline coming into play, I was always wondering how is Valance going to play into this story. And now we get to actually see the inklings that Ethan Sachs is putting there, because now it makes it's starting to make sense. Why would you include uh, callbacks to Han Solo at this point? Yes, at this point in the game, and, right? And at this point in the game in the series. And like, I'm like going, yeah, we understand that they have a history together. They were the same part of the same squad. Yeah. Because they could have done essentially the same thing that they did in, at the end of this issue with using solo. They could have utilized uh, Valance's former girlfriend since the connection was right there. Right there. The yeah. husband is the one who was contacting Valance. So he could very well say, I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing it for, what was her name, Yara? Yara. I'm doing this for Yara. That would make sense as well. So the fact that they chose to include a solo flashback and then he saves the Rebellion fleet or tries to because of a favor he owes solo, it makes you wonder, okay, well, you didn't need to do this. And it's not like this series needs fan service by way of a a one-page or even one-panel cameo by solo. So there's got to be bigger designs at work here, which I'm I would assume when you're dealing with a giant crossover like what they're working on right now with uh, Star Wars, where they're bringing in Dr. Aphra, uh, the regular Star Wars title, the Vader title, and then a Boba Fett one shot one that shot. starts yeah. it all off along with Bounty Hunters, the very comic we're talking about. It makes you wonder, OK, well, so far. 90% of the comic books have been pretty solid in the way of writing. And I can't imagine them just suddenly saying, all right, this is the crossover. It starts now. And then all of a sudden, all the stories just bleed in. Bleed in. They have to craft it carefully and make it feel seamless. And so far with all of the big Star Wars crossovers, that's what they've done. Yeah. They I- have given you a two or three issue setup, getting things ready for that big crossover. And I think that one element that I actually put because of this particular issue that I noticed that I don't think gets a lot of credit. Ethan Sachs has a way of taking a big character, right? And not needing to bring them in for star power, but bring them in for story purposes. Oh, there, David, what? And like in all throughout the entire series that he's done so far, he's brought in some like very famous, the a rogues gallery of star Wars characters. Right. Right. But he's used them for his story purpose. He doesn't bring them in. Like, I'm sorry, you know, like the Lando series, they brought, in, they brought in the character, especially in Lando. It's like, hi, how's it going? I'm the guest star for today. Wait, what Lando series? <laughs> Which one? I think it was double or nothing. Oh, Jesus. That was the, that was one of the, that was not part of the 90% that I was yeah. just talking about. That was, yeah. that was like part of like the 5%. That was, <laughs> that was just as bad as every other tie in series to the movies. And the problem was it, 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 the writer in charge of that was used the, the power of the side characters to kind of overpower his story. But here, Ethan Sachs, he knows how to stick to his guns and still be able to use those elements that I'm sure he's told by his editor, hey, this character has to actually have have to mean something in the story. Okay, I'll use it, but I'm not going to take it away. I'm not going to all of a sudden just throw Han Solo in randomly just so that he can guest star uh, with Lance. Well, I just like that everything feels 
sometimes when you read comics, believe it or not, it doesn't really feel like there's a plan. Every issue feels like its own unique story, and that works for some stories. But when you're dealing with Star Wars, that type of idea uh, doesn't quite work. But with this, you get the sense that everything has a strategy behind it. It is not about, hey, this week's guest is. And I'll be honest, I was nervous when we had I, I it wasn't an, I wasn't nervous enough to bring it up in a show uh-huh. but I was hoping we weren't going to turn this title into this week's guest is yeah. because then the that's not the writer having faith in his story or his characters that he was chosen to write for it's him having to rely on the classics and you know cl- crowd pleasers which then signals you know the big red flag comes flying up Saying fan service, fan service. Oh, uh, yeah. And that's something that I don't feel like this series has done. It's definitely skirted the line oh, for sure. Absolutely. But dude. that's also the nature of this specific title. This is a yeah. title where you can have a little bit of uh, fun with those guest spots or a little bit of the the wink, wink moments when it pertains to things that we know of Star Wars. So, so far, Ethan Sachs has done a great job keeping his story his story, yeah. a story about Valance. He is the core, and we have never, no matter who comes into the series, we never lose sight. And it goes right back to what you said, Dave. That's the best thing you've said so far today. They're not about the guest spots. It's about how it's going to assist the story. How it's going to assist the story or carry on its themes or styles. Because, yeah. like, he could have easily, one of my favorite moments in this comic was the introduction of the brand new character that young, the young gunslinger, basically uh, Tasu Lesh and easily instead of Tasu, you could have unveiled all of a sudden a very famous bounty hunter shows up. Right. Right. Instead we get this young up and cover uh, a new character gunslinger. Who's a new character, but they continue on that motif of kind of like the, that the bounty hunter gunslinger thing of spaghetti Westerns that mean you have talked about, yeah. about the series since the very beginning. Dude, that dialogue was so hilarious. It had me, it had me grinning ear to ear. Just with Tasu talking to Valance, and like I have it written down here. It says, "So you're the famous Violet Valance, huh? I'm not impressed. I could have just shot you in the head, but I want you to see who the pulled the trigger." That's such a spaghetti western. It's such line. a spaghetti western thing. Yeah. And then, like when you hear the guy basically behind Valance tell who that is because Valance has no idea who that kid is. And the, the guy behind him says, oh, that's Tasu Lush. He may look young, but he's already the deadliest pit fighter out of Narakaji. I got him on loan from the huts. And I'm like, that is such a spaghetti Western thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. You have the narrative, <laughs> the guy giving the, 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 essentially the character bio to the one character quickly from behind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are the elements that make this this ongoing series so much fun yeah. because it's just little little nods to the Westerns that we all love, the spaghetti Westerns. And they're, and they're not forgetting that this series very much was modeled after the spaghetti Western, especially the first three issues. Oh, especially the first three. I remember me and you were going gaga over how they how they basically essentially wrote the good, the bad and the ugly. Oh yeah, for the for for uh, bounty hunters. Yeah. So the issue isn't void of those little fan moments, but this is a good example of of doing it right, knowing how much to give and how much not to give. 
For example, there's a moment in the issue where we see Figure and Dan and the model nodes. The very <laughs> band from, and it was the very band. It wasn't the same species. Uh, it wasn't just the same species, which is what I had assumed at first when you yes. saw them in the bar playing. But they actually make a comment about finding a place that's far safer this time to work. They're alluding <laughs> yes. to the fact that the cantina in Mos Eisley is dangerous. Is dangerous. So stuff like that is a fun time for Star Wars fans who are in the know. And I'm sure every Star Wars fan who's reading this comic book is very aware of what that means. That's a very iconic moment in the most Eisley's cantina. So, well, you can't tell me that basically during that scene, when they have the little, when Ethan Sykes takes the time to tell the artist, Hey, can you put like music notes around showing that the band is playing? You cannot tell me as a Star Wars fan that, you had oh, I was the listening. cantina. I heard it. The, the cantina music playing in the background and Valance is just walking through the saloon. I heard it. This is why we need this live action, Mike. David, listen, <laughs> stop it. Because you know they're not going to put someone in charge that's going to do it right. They're not going <laughs> to completely understand the comic. They're going to have their own creative, you know, eye. And they're going to be like, eh, I don't really like that at all. I don't do not do. I don't, David, I don't want to see it. <laughs> you're, you're, you're afraid. Unless it's Dave Filoni. I trust Dave Filoni. Give Dave Filoni every job. I don't, I don't, <laughs> you know what? In fact, you know what we should do? You know, in the high Republic book where they strapped that one hyperspace girl and they just use her to travel hyperspace. Yes. Like they don't, she doesn't have a life. She doesn't ever move. Uh, she's just in a little device and she pilots ships. She's essentially imprisoned. That's what we need to do to Filoni. Just <laughs> stuck there. Put him into a machine. We're going to read his brain patterns. We're never going to let him move except to write and possibly direct. And that's it. And then when he's done, he's going to go back to his alcove and regenerate. Regenerate. <laughs> what happens if he starts saying, you know, I, I just want to do something different from Star Wars. Nah, Can I nonsense. do that? <laughs> nah. I'd be like, yeah, go ahead. And then I would do a rewrite and just change everything back into Star Wars, but keep his good writing and story. No, no, no. I'll just, make it work. Just give him an inhibitor chip. Yeah. Give him the inhibitor chip and basically say, all right, Dave, that's great. Yeah, Dave Filoni, good writers comply. Lie, lie right here. Lie right here and just let the machine do its thing. Good writers <laughs> follow orders. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of writers, I really like how Ethan Sachs and Robbie Thompson have built this characterization for Valance. And I'm yeah. thankful that Ethan Sachs didn't think, hey, you know what? Robbie Thompson's target Valance or target Vader was a little light on substance. It had what it needed is a little superficial. And that's that's uh, I'm just going to retcon that in my mind and not really follow his plan. But no, Ethan Sachs literally continued Robbie Thompson's characterization of Valance. And that's the reason why this comic feels so, so far, you know, obviously we're eight issues or yeah, eight issues in, but it feels very compatible with the original Target Vader. Yeah, it does, because it, it keeps the themes that make Valance a strong character. Yeah, that, you, know, that you gotta you can change whatever you want, but you cannot change the core of Valance, and Valance. that core was built and established in Target Vader. Ethan Sachs so far has just furthered those ideas that Thompson had put into Target Vader, and he's fleshing it out further, which is awesome. I mean, this is a guy that is relentless. He's spiteful, possibly sometimes <laughs> petty. And whether he wants to be or not, he's a good guy. He's not even, uh, he's not an anti-hero. 
I, I do not no, believe he's an he's, anti-hero. He's he, a good guy. He has a strong sense of honor and commitment. He might not have the best moral compass, but that's when his strong sense of honor makes up the difference. Yeah. Living by that code keeps him on the good side. And as I said, Dave, I don't think I'd even call him a gray character. I don't think he's an anti-hero. He's written a bit like an anti-hero and that works. But so far, what I've seen is the typical archetype for Star Wars rogue or scoundrel. I wouldn't say Han Solo is an anti-hero. Lando isn't an anti-hero and he fits that past or yes. that mold. Look at what's driving him so far. He's wanted to protect Nakano Lash, his mentor. Yes. He's protecting the life of the crime syndicate's heir. The child. Yeah. He's creating distractions and drawing away any would-be pursuers by setting himself up as bait to protect the rebels as well as his girl, his former girlfriend and the child. Now, he's not just protecting a rebel vessel that was abandoned, but he's angry that the rebellion has abandoned them. From his perspective perspective it's similar to what the empire did to, him. to him so yeah. just because he doesn't have allegiances towards the rebellion doesn't make him bad it makes him independently minded and someone who has been slighted by a government is now distrusting of other governments yeah. and that would make perfect sense so i like what they're doing with him they're not these aren't traits or characteristics that are bad characteristics or even anti-hero characteristics I would say he's a hero. He is a good guy. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the amazing thing that Vianelli and, or not Vianelli, but Saxon Thompson were able yeah. to do, because you got to remember this character by, you know, Star Wars history, history knowledge, he started off as a villain. I mean, he was, ra he was, he was a oh, racist without against, a doubt. Yep. against droids. You're talking about the original the Star original, Wars comic in the 70s? Yeah, the yeah. original Valance archetype was he was definitely a bad guy he was yeah. a bad guy he was he was a a xenophobic uh droidist basically a droidist <laughs> yeah make that up pretty much i like it <laughs> but like thompson and sax were able to say okay we're not going to change that core concept of valance where he he's traumatized of being in his eyes, less human. Instead, we're going to humanize Valance. Mm -hmm. And just like you said, ever since we, we, we started covering Valance, I was like going, how are they going to make this character likable? Because as a Star Wars fan, we're all basically, we all went into this at first saying Valance is not a good guy. There's no way they can make him a good guy. David, he is the most human. He's the most, by making him human. I you're right about bringing out his humanity because I, I hate sounding overly excited sometimes. And I'm not trying to be, or I'm trying not to be, I should say. I love our Star Wars characters. I love Han Solo. I love Leia. I love Luke. But they represent something that doesn't actually exist all the time in the real world. They represent optimism and hope for the yeah. most part. Valance represents reality he is the real person yeah he's a guy that's been shit on doesn't make him bad but he's fed up he's been abused he's been jaded jaded yeah he represents us today as the story of luke leia and han in the original trilogy worked for its time and it, and it still holds up i'm not saying it doesn't but it's it, it 
when it if that story was to come out today, it would not be that hopeful. It yeah. wouldn't. Art represents the times that we're in, and we do not live in optimistic times. And a character like Valance is a better representation of a human trying to get through life. It's obviously put into larger than life scenarios. Obviously, we're dealing with a science fiction, but it doesn't mean it doesn't represent reality. Reality. In, in the ways of uh, Valance's humanity and the things he's going through uh, and the hoops he jumps through just to get by. I love this comic. It, this is a fun <laughs> series. It is. That's mostly what it is. It's fun, but there are tidbits of substance that is very powerful and it makes this read every single issue that much better. Oh, absolutely. So my RMD score, David, is 86%. I'll say you, Dave, and your final thoughts, please. My final thoughts on this one, I'm giving this, I actually have it for 88. Okay. I thought it was really well done. Vianelli's art is growing on me. Each I, thought issue. You, I thought you liked it. And I do. I oh. really do. Because at first. But it's growing on you further, slowly it's consuming growing, you. Exactly. Okay. And that's the thing is kind of like Vianelli's art is growing on me issue by issue. And just like what you alluded to earlier, I was a little disappointed that we're not going to get a Bermijo cover, right? Because mm-hmm. Bermijo's covers have been Dude, freaking he's, knocked, he's knocked out. Yeah. And Fantastic. I know that he's moving on to other other titles to cover and I can't wait to see them because they're going to actually give him more Marvel titles apparently, but not star Wars though. Is he done with star Wars? No, he's not done with star Wars, but there, there uh, there's talk that basically that he's going to be moving on to like major titles, like the Avengers and stuff like yeah. that to do, to do their, to, to do their covers. So I'm really excited if that's actually true. Yeah. And Vianelli's art is slowly and steadily, uh, basically getting up to that level. It just took me a while to get used to it because I'm like going, when I first picked it up, I'm like, ah, it's Vianelli's art. You're talking about the cover? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, okay, it's cool. It's cool. Not a Bermijo, but it's cool. (laughs) I I thought the same thing when I was, because I order uh, online from our partners, uh, things from another universe. And um, I noticed when I clicked it and put it into my, my cart, to purchase <laughs> yeah. that it was not a Lee Bermijo. And I was like, son of a fucking bitch. <laughs> so I thought maybe there was other issues. I'm like, okay, are there any more variant covers? And there are tons of variants. There are tons of variants. And now. none of them were Bermijo. And then I realized that he was done, I believe, with issue seven. Yes. He was done. He moved on. So that is, I want to say that's a negative for me. But it doesn't disrupt, it doesn't the, story disrupt the story at all. I mean, he's doing cover work. Because Ethan Sachs, even even with any change to his creative team, Ethan Sachs still, I give him a lot of props. He sticks to his guns. He sticks to his guns and knows his narrative. I just love the panels, too. So I'm not going to complain yeah. about Paolo Vianelli, the way he lays out those panels. And obviously, he's doing as the writer, Ethan Sachs, directs within his, his writing, within his script. But Paolo Vianelli's style is just so fantastic. It's so big, and we've said this numerous times. It, it it mimics the look of the spaghetti western many times, especially during those action sequences. Spaghetti westerns are known for capturing the weapons very, very well. big. They yeah. use specific lenses to just make the barrel of 
you know, Eastwood's gun in Leone's films <laughs> yes. just look giant. They take up the entire screen. It looks like a tunnel you can walk in. Walk in. It's just a, fantastic. And Vianelli was doing the exact same type of thing uh-huh. with his art. He was making it represent or look or give it that spaghetti Western look. Look. And that has that is incredibly important, especially with the series, because the series set out to be essentially a Western comic. That's, and, that's how it was promoted. And it, it, that's how it was promoted. And you have to stick to those themes. And it would have well, been just, really easy by issue. We're in issue eight, right? Yeah. I have seen so many titles try to stick to a theme. And by issue three or four, they say hell with a it. A theme or a style? A style. Both. Yeah. Both, actually. No, you're, you are right. Like, and, I've read many comic series that start off first four, five, six issues they have a specific style that works and suddenly it shifts. It shifts. It's like they're like, ah, well, well, we sold it that way and now we're just going to be a little more casual with what we do. Yeah, because yeah. the writer becomes casu- uh, casual with his narrative at that point and it takes away, it takes a reader completely out. But up to this point with Ethan Saxon, his, his creative team or his artist behind him, he's able to do what essentially Robbie Thompson, when he did his series remember he wanted to actually make it more like an 80s slasher action movie oh, right so good and it was so he so stuck awesome. through it from end to end and we appraised him for it and i'm like looking at this going sax is doing the same thing but he he went in saying i'm doing a spaghetti western and i i need to stick to my themes and my pacing as a spaghetti western film would yeah so i give him massive props for it you know, the, it's hard for me to find true, honest-to-God negatives. That's why I'm, like, going it, – it, when it comes to grading bounty hunters, it's so difficult. So what were you giving? I'm giving it an 88. Okay. Because, like I was about to say, it's like a part, my, my soul, my heart wants to say 100. <laughs> but because you, well, you're doing perfect up to this well, point. Well, as a fan – as it probably fan. is a hundred, but yeah. as a critic, as we a have critic, to take, we have to be more objective. You got to be objective and yeah. you got to see that. Okay. Because I would agree if I wasn't reviewing this, I'd be fucking, I love this comic. I love it's this the best comic. thing ever. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and finally I'm saying it now. Hashtag Anson Mount is my Valance. Dude, I will, <laughs> I will start that. I will start that hashtag with you. Anson Mount has to be Valance. Now that I think about it, he's perfect for it. Man, we need to put some memes out there with his face next to like Valance and just we need to start it. Dude, this is how people get cast in things. Oh yeah, yeah. I like that's that's an awesome idea. We're gonna do it. All right, this does bring us to the end of our discussion. I want to thank everyone for tuning in and listening. Hopefully you are picking up these issues as well. Uh, not just listening in. Listen, I appreciate that you're just listening in and enjoying our banter, but I'm hoping you are reading these issues. And also keep your eyes open on our pages, RainmanDigitalMedia.com, as well as the description within our iTunes um, podcast episodes for links to these issues. I do post links. And the reason why I do that is because we do get credit for any purchases it's not a lot of money, but if enough listeners continue to go through our links and purchase comic books, it does help us out and it helps pay for the power as well as the massive studio upgrades that we had just gone through that we're still going through this week. 
So please do that. Also, patreon.com slash Digital. If you want to continue to listen to these discussions, I want to say after issue 12, I have not discussed this with you yet, Dave. So you're hearing this for the first time. After issue 12, or at least when the Bounty Hunter crossover is over, we're going to shift this show to a page, this specific discussion on Bounty Hunters. We're going to continue to cover it until it ends. And it's an ongoing series, so I don't know when it's going to end. It's possibly going to go on for the next two <laughs> years. years. We're probably going to shift it over to a Patreon-only discussion. I'm not sure if that's not guaranteed, but I'm thinking about it. So patreon.com slash Digital. Pledge $5 or more a month, and you will gain access to not just the Bounty Hunter discussions that we may end up doing on Patreon, but also thousands of hours of additional Star Wars discussions from comic book reviews, book reviews, you name it, we do it. It's Star Wars all the time, every day, all day. Patreon.com slash Digital. David, thank you. Thank you. May the Force be with us. Oh, yes. Ah!